Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this. This is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Uh, today's guest, very special indeed. Um, it, it seems amazing, this, because... He's only 33, but somehow I feel like I've been watching him play rugby forever. That might be because he's got 300 caps for London Irish. Topsy Ojo, how are you, mate? Hey, good evening. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, thanks. Now, first things first, 300... <laughs> A lot of games, I'd say. And uh, I guess I'd never imagined that, you know, I guess before you know it, you're hitting your milestones, 50, 100, and... Yeah, before long, were we 300 and th- rounded off with 301? So, yeah, what, a hell of a journey. What do you get, right, Ellen Narish, for your 50th appearance? Do you get, like, some sort of um, badge or tie or something? I actually can't remember. <laughs> I think... I don't think you get much for your 50th. I mean, they'll present you with a shirt at the end of the season, but 100 is probably the first big one where you'll actually get, like, a, a specialised shirt for when you run out for your 100th game, a memento. And then I think from there, they do one for every 50. So, like I say, I've got shirts for 100, 200, 250, 300, but I'm not sure what happened with my 50th. I was, was going to say, after like 300, they must be like scraping the barrel looking for like pocket squares or, uh, you know, special boating hats. <laughs> yeah, different gifts to give me. They gave me like a <laughs> yeah. nice decanter set this time. I think they were definitely scratching their heads trying to figure out what, what else can we give him? We've pretty much given him everything that we can. Nice. So what, what has made you what has made you actually hang it up? Why have, um, why have, uh, why have you decided to go? Because at 30, you know, you're only 33 and uh, you're still playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, playing well, feeling good. Um, it's it's always a timing thing, and you know, this is something I've been probably thinking about for the last couple of years. Um, kind of rolling one year contracts and basically trying to pick the right time, plan for stuff outside the game, and basically, I mean, I guess there's never a perfect moment, but if you could pick the one where right everything that you've got away from the game now matches your ambition on it, mm. um, it's about taking the opportunity that's then going to sustain you for the next 20 30 years because of course you know i mean you retire from rugby in your early 30s and there's yeah. still a lot of life left after and you know especially with the things i'm looking at if you wait a year or two too long those opportunities might not still be there so um like i say that it's something that i have been planning and preparing for for the last couple of years and you know with the way the season went as well finishing promoted and back in the premiership it was um it was a nice time, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there because it's it is a hell of an achievement to get a promotion. And I think you know if you were to stop 
today, you'd have left a, you know, a really impressive legacy. Whereas if you go on for that next year and maybe you guys get to, uh, you know, 10th uh, in the table or 9th in, ninth in the table, it's a different sort of feeling because next year, regardless of who you sign, it's going to be a real hard slog. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Premiership has been the most competitive it's been this year. Um, and, you know, we're going to be in that mix now next year, fighting, scrapping. So, you know, <laughs> again, you know, I mean, would it have been nice to have done another one? Yes. But like I say, at the same time, you know, you, you can't really pick the perfect. This one was a nice one in terms of I feel like I've left the club in a good place. They're going back into the Premiership now. Uh, there's a good crop of youngsters, a whole host of new talent coming in. So with, with the stadium on the horizon as well, moving to Brentford in 2020, it's it's in a good place, I feel. So I'm, even though I'm not going to be playing, I will still be there helping off-field. Um, so I'll be supporting, haven't gone too far. But in terms of, yeah, what's to come, you know, this this, this feels like a good time. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about your plans for next year because I've definitely seen you doing media. Yeah, yes, basically uh, a little bit of everything. So, yes, we'll be continuing with media, TV and radio, covering Premiership, Championship rugby. So heavily involved in that, which I really enjoy. Um, In terms of Irish, so in an ambassadorial role, I'll be helping with their move to Brentford. Basically, any community projects, sponsored projects, um, just getting the message and the word out and basically trying to figurehead the move. So that's quite exciting as well. It's a huge moment for the club. And again, great for me to be involved in a different capacity as well with that. Uh, I'll be coaching as well, the amateur team, uh, London Irish Wild Geese. <laughs> I'll be coaching with them, so trying to move them up the national leagues as well. Now, where... And then um, a bit of school coaching as well. So. Now, where roughly <laughs> are the Wild Geese in the in the English pyramids? They are national three, so that would be one, two, three, level four, I think. Wow, so the, well, that's I, I, I didn't expect them to be so high up. Yeah, I think they've worked their way up the leagues over the last decade or so. Um, actually dropped down from National 2 this year, but with a view to ideally getting upwards towards National 1 so they can actually be a real feeder club between the amateurs and the pros and kind of bring that whole world together. Yeah, well, Sale Sharks are obviously using Sale FC. I mean, they are. I mean, they might actually be roughly the same level as you guys, come to think of it. Uh, yeah, they are. Sale FC will be one level above now. Um, and then you've got the same kind of with Gloucester and Hartbury as well. Yeah. So the similar relationship there. So and it, and it works as well. You know, I guess the plan is that we bring everything more in house because especially with our young guys that need game time, they end up being loaned out to all different clubs. So I think the plan is long term, if we can all have them playing under the one London Irish umbrella, then it, it's it's a massive potential, not just for us, but then for the future as well. And obviously for all the kids coming through, there's different pathways to actually getting into that professional environment. Now, you're going to have to excuse me at this point because um, I'm going to ask a phenomenally stupid question. I, I pay quite a lot of attention to uh, to rugby. And I'm just trying to think, are the Wild Geeks called something else other than the Wild Geeks? I, I can't remember seeing them in like the National League tables. The, they are the, the, the Wild Geeks. Um, How have I not I, noticed that? I don't know exactly where the name came from, but <laughs> that's what they're called. Well, I'll be, edit- I'll be editing out that part, part, part of the podcast. um yeah so london irish i mean i you know i guess you you are you are testament testament to this um they just seem to do a marvelous job of of bringing through youngsters yeah we do um i I guess that that's you know credit to the club and to the academy the work that those guys do i think the 
goal now is to retain a lot of the young guys. I think we've lost so many over the last few years and, you know, it always comes up the conversation of the, the team that we could have had if all yeah. those guys were still playing for us. You know, you've got multi-cap internationals in there. You've got a few British and Irish Lions in there as well. Um, so it's almost like the blueprint is there in terms of the, pr- the production factory. It's just a question of now, how do we keep producing and then retain these guys so that they become the bedrock of the club for the next decade? Um, it's an issue for a lot of teams, but, you know, part one is producing the talent, which we know we've been good at. So the next step is now is how does how does London Irish become a place that they want to stay and play their rugby for the whole of their careers? Yeah. Now, um, before I ask my, my next question, did you ever have a uh, con- um, a contract offer from Bath? I did not, no. Oh, <laughs> must be devastated. Despite knowing half their coaches and their teams, <laughs> um, I, I think they probably thought if one person was off limits, it was going to be me. So. so what would you put the success of London Irish down to? Do you think it's the structures and the coaching or is it more to do with the catchment area? Because you know, I think you've got a pretty good catchment area. Yeah, well, I think obviously we are we're Berkshire based, but we we have hands in both Surrey and Middlesex as well. So kind of huge rugby playing counties, a lot of really good rugby playing schools as well. So you've already got. I mean, I can put a number on the amount of kids, but there's a huge player pool to pick from already. Um, add to that all the minis and junior clubs around, and with London Irish being a huge mini club in itself, so that basis you've got a lot there. And then our our coaching team itself our community team as well and how we bring through even from like ACE and DPP. Um, I think we've just got access to, to so many kids and that helps. And, you know, it's a lot different now. I, I find, you know, I've done some work with them and through the pathway system. And I think the amount of access now, you know, they're, they're playing school matches and they're into the club for training. Mm. Um, so they play through their school up until December and then they come and play in the premiership leagues as well for under 18s. Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing them at least once a week, if not twice, they've got all got individual programs. So you're in their lives a lot earlier than say what I was used to. I mean, I, I came into contact with Irish when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I think now, you know, even if you started as a mini, you're here from under sixes upwards. Um, and you could start the DPP program from 16. Oh, so, wow. So um, it's actually far more integrated than I than I thought. Yeah, it is now. I mean, it still takes a bit to get your head around. Um, but then I'd say at the top level, kind of going into the academy as well, I just think we've been very lucky with the quality of coaches we had. I mean, I had Toby Booth, yeah. who was brilliant. You know, the guys after me had Neil Hatley and so on. And then... Um, Patrick O'Grady, James Lightfoot-Brown now who are doing it. And sorry, even before that was Nick Kennedy and Paul Hodgson and Declan Danaher. So I guess not only have we had really good young talent coming through, but we've also had really young, good coaches coming through at the same time. And I think if you look at what all those guys have gone on to do, I guess that there's almost correlation between how well the players have gone as well. Yeah, I was actually lucky enough to interview Toby Booth a couple of episodes ago, actually. Uh, and the thing which struck me is just he's a very, very good thinker. Yeah, he is. He's a, a brilliant coach. Like I mean, he, he did he did great things for me. I, I can't thank him enough. Um, but yeah, just his, like you say, his thought process and you know his creativity and you know coming up with drills and actually one thing really good was his man management as well. Mm. Like being able to basically get the best out of players. That that was a huge thing as well. So, what was your what was your story into London Irish? Then uh, you said you started at sixteen. Were you playing club rugby anywhere else? 
I wasn't. I was only playing school rugby. So didn't start till I was 11. Was playing in school over in Dart- at Dartford Grammar. Mm. Um, and my head coach at the time, Dave Morris, who is now at London Scottish, oh. uh, he was playing at Blackheath at Toby Booth. So that's how the connection started. He said, oh, I've got this kid. He might be worth a look at. He ended up coming to, Toby came, ended up coming to watch one of my school games. And after that, it's like, right, well, why don't you come? Come to Irish, come to some training sessions. I ended up playing a few under-19s and under-21 games while I was still at school. Mm-hmm. And then they offered me a contract as soon as I finished. And why do you suppose it is that you that you spent all your time at Irish? What, what, what is it about the club that made you think, yeah, this is the place for me? Um, I, I'd say I've definitely been lucky in the sense that I guess anytime it's come around to contracts or that sort, I've always been fit, mm-hmm. been playing well, been happy. I've been happy and more recently family's been happy. So it's always been a good decision for me to stay, even when the club hasn't even been in, not been doing as well as it could have done for me personally my situation was good so no there was no real reason for me to want to look elsewhere because i I was always happy Uh, now just going back to you know when you when you first had well when you had your first game at london irish as in a professional do you remember that game and and were you nervous yes nervous excitement because i do remember we were playing wasps in the I'm trying to remember what the, it, it's what's the Premiership Rugby Cup now? I think it was the LV Cup yeah. back then. Was it LV Cup? But it was 2005. I was supposed to debut three weeks before, but I injured my ankle in the oh, week nightmare. and got pulled out. But the day before in the captain's run, uh, so obviously frustrated, young kid. You want to get in three weeks later, get my shot off the bench. Uh, actually, Dylan Armitage put a kick through. I scored first touch off the bench at half time. <laughs> go wild lose your mind and uh <laughs> yeah that that was my first game god I, it, the thing with london irish is um when you think back about all the players that that they've had i was about to ask you who was uh, who was your favorite pl- player to play wing uh, to play wing with alan irish and then i've just literally thought of oh how on that could be molin yard that could be anthony watson uh that could be um uh, alex lewington i mean yeah uh, who um uh, who was your favourite person to, to yeah there's, there's a long list it's incredible um, actually jeez yeah I mean some of my favourites definitely I mean two two that I have mentioned in would be um Selala Mapasu and Mike Cat yeah yeah um, just for skill set and mentality and just for what just what they did not just for me but for the team as well um just just brilliant brilliant guys to play with um. Chris Halafia in his own right. Um, very glad that he was on my team. Oh, and... uh, weirdly enough, right? Dave, David Flatman put, a, put out a tweet the other day. Uh, I can't remember what the exact tweet was, but it was something to do with how hard... Hal- uh, ha- I can't say his name, no. Hal- Halafia, yeah. Halafia was. And, uh, so yeah. I thought, do you know what? Just I'm, I'm just going to uh, YouTube him, just uh, you know, as a bit of uh, lunchtime fun. My word, he wasn't wrong. Yeah, yeah. You literally... <laughs> some of those hits, you just... You'd stand still. You'd like it's like the game would freeze for a couple of seconds, <laughs> and you'd be like, "Wow, okay." I actually think a lot of the times he got penalised, they were legal hits, but they were just yeah. so incredibly hard. We weren't used to seeing those visuals. No, well, that's yeah, half of them. Yeah, the the impact is that big, and the guy ricochets off him that you think he's tried to rap, but he actually he's hit him that hard that he couldn't. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, like I say, very glad I never had to play against him. Um, he was good. But then uh, outside that, you know, like I say, mentioned Dylan, uh, Silosi, Tangy Thakiba as well, Stefan Armitage. Um, and then the young guy you just mentioned, you know, so these guys, Anthony, Marlon, uh, JJ, were all coming through as well mm-hmm. at the same time. And I guess probably saw more of JJ. And Anthony. unfortunately, Anthony had a load of injury problems, but yeah. he knew what a talent he was. So it was like, get him on the pitch, get him on the pitch. Um, but I mean, yeah, we I could name probably two 15s. Um, yeah, the the Mike Cat one's really really interesting because I remember his last game at Bath, and you know all the players had hoisted him, uh, hoisted him on their shoulders, uh, parading around, thinking, yeah, this guy's done. You know, he'll go out to pasture now. Goes over to London Irish, and you've got uh, well, you say to still be world class at that, that age. Like everybody thought he was done, he was finished, and he, he was any time he played, it was like this guy is still unbelievable. He's passing, he's kicking, obviously his understanding of the game as well. Um, so again, for myself and for all the other young guys coming through, just brilliant. And uh, he was so willing to give his time as well. I think that was the other thing too. So, um, yeah, we, you know, obviously he was at the latest stages of his career, but you know, it was like, he was one of the first names on the team sheet because he was still world-class. Yeah. And from what I heard, apparently his fitness was still, you know, um, pretty much at the top of his game. He was going to be, I, I think he was going to be like, like part coach, part, uh, part player. Was he not? Yeah, well, he was, yeah. So, obviously, he, he could pick his games. But even, you know, he, he would still train. He would still hit all the time. He would still kick everyone's ass in the fitness and things like that. So, um, yeah, he, he was brilliant. So, uh, what are your fondest memories of Irish? Uh, would it be that team that got that got to the final? I mean, I can only assume, I can only assume it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. Because, I mean, I was part of that team for probably a good five, six years. And I guess if you look at kind of peaks, that was our, our moment, that the 2008 semi and then the 2009 final. Yeah. Um, so those years and that journey towards, you know, we'd had, I think the, the Challenge Cup final was the very start of that as well. So, you know, we had kind of a real progression and a journey right the way nearly to the summit, obviously came up short in the end. But yeah, those years were, were brilliant because, I mean, we, we were playing, I think obviously we changed the style of rugby that we were playing. We became a lot more adventurous, a lot more attacking. Um, I think that took a lot of teams by surprise. And I think almost that underdog role as well and just enjoying that always. That it was yeah, that I'd say those those were probably the best times because I mean, obviously we were winning, which was great, but I think we were just really enjoying what we were doing. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask that. Do do you think the do you think the success came with that team by you know, playing it wide, or do you think the success came because you had great, great players and that allowed you to play wide? I'd say both. I think um, you need the quality of player to play a certain way, but then the way you play as well needs to suit them. It needs to be able to bring the best out of them. So I think that balance was really right. I think Brian Smith and Toby did a brilliant job in terms of just blending the two. Mm. So, you know, it became a very very inter- interchangeable I say loose but in the good sense in that you know we had a game plan in that but at any point anybody could basically go off program and we would all just react and follow and it wouldn't break stride wouldn't break momentum and like I say I think maybe that that balance of freedom versus structure as well it just it paid dividends and made the team a really good enjoyable place to be now uh, I mean obviously those were good memories did did, did 
Did you ever feel disappointed when you heard of certain lads, certain lads leaving? Because you know you got to the final. You must, you must have thought at that point, you know, all you're ever going to do from now on in is going to go, go go to semi-finals and finals. So I imagine it'd be very disappointing actually when you know you open up the newspaper and you see yet yeah, yeah, another lad's gone, or you know, however you find out. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I mean, it's it is a difficult because I think especially at that time as well. So kind of 2010, 11. It was basically, I almost want to say that squad had, had run its course a bit, or I think guys felt that way. You know, a few of our guys were getting a bit older, and, you know, your Mike Katz and your Bob Cases were finishing up. So yeah. it's almost like that we needed to then regenerate and go again. And, and we didn't get that bit right, which was what meant that then the younger guys coming through, the team wasn't as successful. Um, things weren't as good as they used to be. And obviously in that situation... Your, your head starts to turn and so obviously what I'd love those guys to have stayed yes but then also you understand people's reasons and for every reason they felt their futures were better off elsewhere and you, you can't begrudge anyone for that yeah yeah you know it is um it is a professional sport but I think one of the you know one of the great questions in rugby is what if with you know what if uh London Irish did manage to keep all um, all those players and and that coaching team to be fair yeah, I, I guess both. I mean, I would like to say that we would have been at least in the mix for for another title in those coming years. And with the players that come through, I mean, if they came through and stayed Irish on that same trajectory, I mean, we, you know, <laughs> I guess almost best to think what what could have been. You know, I'd like like I say, I, I think we definitely would have been challenging for honours year on year because you know, those guys have gone on to international stardom. And they would have all been part of the same team. Yeah. Now, uh, you have been part of two uh, two less successful Irish teams, uh, which which got relegated. Um, your first time in the championship. How did you go about motivating yourself to, you know, be be a, basically be a good professional? Because you've gone from the highs of the Premiership, and it must have been a disappointment to be playing. You know, uh, not not to be disrespectful, but you know, a London Scottish or. Or someone, it is a very different beast. So, how did you go about making sure that that you were prepared on on a week to week basis? And was that difficult? Yeah, it, it it was tough, definitely. I I guess probably tougher in the midst of it because from the outset, you know, you set your goal right. We want to get promoted. We're going to straight back, and this is the plan. And I think with the playoff system as well, um, we kind of knew the path that the, the the year was going to take. So, I mean, we set out basically saying, look. It's going to be a long season that's going to come down to the four games at the end. In the season, we're going to make sure we enjoy everything, both the training, both the social side, how we play. We're going to rotate the whole squad so everybody's going to get an equal amount of game time. Really? So, we just, yeah, yeah, we said from the outset, we're just going to make sure that everybody plays regularly so that, you know, sometimes you can get a bit of a split where some guys end up playing five games and some play 25. We said from the outset, we were going to rotate, we are going to look after everyone, make sure we had the best season possible so that come those four games, we were basically ready to smash the playoffs. And in the middle, it was probably tough because, like I say, you get into the middle, you're, we, were, we were top and clear. I think we lost one, maybe two league games all season. I actually want to say probably one. I've got a feeling I know who you lost to, but I can't. We lost to Jersey. Jersey. I know that. Yes. Um, but I can't really think... It- Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If we lost to anyone else. So we kind of knew probably by February that we were going to finish top. So there was that kind of, right, we just want to get to the playoffs now. So I, in the middle of that, it was tough. Um, I'd say our, our supporters were, were brilliant in terms of they travelled in numbers to every ground that we went to and just like see, probably outnumbered the home support and they just <laughs> yeah. made it a real event, which was great because, I mean, it, it actually you know created some atmosphere Help the players so it, you know it didn't feel like you know we weren't playing at Welford Road or something like that. It was just another game. We were well supported, so we just had to go out and do the job. So um, obviously got there in the end, but yeah, I'd definitely say the middle part of that was was quite tough. Yeah, because I guess like I, not to sound disrespectful to, to the teams you played, but I don't think you would have doubted that what the result was going to be. Well, you just well keep grinding. We, yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, our ex. Expectation was to go out and win every game, and you know, that was a challenge we set for ourselves. I guess the other thing would be that you know we had that target on our back from the first game. You know, we come into town. You know, everybody almost lifted their game. We were their cup final. You know, try and turn over the, the Premiership team dropping down. Um, so it did mean that you know we couldn't really afford to, to let up in any game. So regardless of who was playing, whether we rotated, there was almost an expectancy to go out and keep the momentum going, keep the train going because. You know, obviously we knew that it was about the playoffs at the end, but you know we wanted that momentum to re- get that winning feeling as well, which we hadn't had for a few years. Uh, so yeah, it was yeah, everyone was in it. Now it's really interesting. I think that uh, rotation thing you just told me is fascinating. Uh, like, can you see why that would be that would be a bit of a surprising point to someone like me? Because I would never expect anyone to say uh, in a Premiership team, yeah, we 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 decided at the outset to give ev- everyone equal game time. Yeah, it's uh, I guess it's probably a rare thing. Um, I mean, I know some teams probably don't rotate every week, but they do have a plan where you know they want guys to play a certain amount and not to overcook them. And I think that was probably in our thinking as well. In that, you know, we wanted to get to May, yeah, have everybody fresh, have everybody fit, so we could pick our best in form fifteen to go and attack those four playoff games. Um, and I think the only way we could do that was to make sure that everybody was well managed you know it helps squad morale as well because again you know the only thing that keeps a player happy game time to yeah. showcase your opportunity then you know if it comes down to the last games and it's like right i'm picking him over you these are the reasons you've both had a shot it's almost less to argue about were bristol in the back of your mind um, when i say bristol in the back of your mind 
I'm referring to the fact that they failed to go up, was it three years three years running? So they'd run the table and then lose to like London Welsh, I think, and Exeter was one and Worcester was the other one. Uh, was that ever in your mind? Not too much, but it was mentioned because I, I, I think, you know, because, I mean, we, we knew the danger of the playoffs. You know, you could finish first by 20 points and get knocked out. Mm. So I think that was part of the thinking in that if we could get to May, have as many people fit and in form and match ready as possible, then we would stand a really good chance of making sure, well, of being in the best place possible to go on and win those games. I think that was probably the thinking behind it because, yeah, you don't want to, like, you know, it's happened in previous premiership seasons where the team that's finished top doesn't end up winning the league and you just, you, like, it's, it's a tough place to be. And I actually remember watching that game. I think one they they lost to Worcester. That was uh, literally um, one of the, no, that, I, I'm going to go further. The best domestic game of rugby I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan Lamb knocking over that kick to win it. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, that was a situation we didn't want to be in, you know, to do all the hard work and then get knocked out right at the final hurdle. Yeah, I can only imagine the agony of that because it it is, you know, the championship's it's kind of great in a way. Like, I know no one would choose to be there for, as, as a premiership t- team, but if you do one season there like Harlequins did, Northampton did, you know, it, sometimes it does bring the club closer together and then you kick on when you get get, get back up. But to get so yeah, close uh, and then to go back again must be heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. But I mean, I, on, on your point there, I know what you mean. It's um, You have to almost take the opportunity out of the limelight of the Premiership and use it to rebuild, regenerate, almost tweak some things under a bit less pressure maybe. And, yeah. Um, you know, so and you're like you yeah, just got to embrace it for what it is and like i say you know we did you know you get a few more weeks off as well because there's less fixtures so take advantage of the extra rest use it to build and plan and just to make sure your squad isn't as best a place as possible and you know we, we reference northampton and harlequins as well as how they bounce back and both yeah. went up to win the league so um what a year in the championship actually can do for you well, I guess with Northampton and Harlequins, they had a huge advantage over you guys, which is they didn't have the playoffs to contend with. They knew they were going up and they could you know, put the squad together. You know, for the, yeah, for the well, return. that was, again, a, a big plus. Um, you know, you could almost, like, full steam ahead from game one, try and win everything and almost have promotion pretty much guaranteed by February or March, which means your recruitment for the next season start a lot earlier because a lot of guys might say well you know we're not going to commit if you're definitely not going to be a premiership team so um, yeah, of I course. think that's I always think of it from the other side which is the you know the club doesn't know if they're there don't 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 know if they're in the premiership so they don't recruit well, but actually it's the players as well isn't it yeah yeah I think it's both ways so you know as much as I mean a lot of clubs you want to have your business done earlier in the season but for a teams in those positions until you can confirm one way or the other I guess no deal is ever guaranteed. Um, so with, when there's no playoffs, you could probably do that a lot a lot earlier. When there are playoffs, I mean the playoffs didn't finish till I think the last week of May. Yeah. And if you're wait if you're waiting to do business, then you are so far behind. Most teams have probably had it done by Christmas. Yeah. Well, I mean the the other side of that as well is I love the playoffs. I absolutely. I mean I don't really care at the moment what happens at the end of the championship season because we already know who's won but 
you know, back when the playoffs were, were uh, involved, they were absolutely fantastic. So it's hard to know which, which way to go. I certainly see the fairness argument to the club, which is coming up, because it's a lot of money to, to, to be committing. Yeah, it is. And I, I guess, yeah, definitely for a, from a drama and excitement and from a viewership. I mean, playoff, playoff rugby is great. You know, everybody enjoys it. And even in the premiership, you look forward to it. I guess it's, we're probably now talking about the whole model of the championship itself. And I guess if there was, if there was a better structure to it, better investment, then that whole, you could bring back poss- the, the possibility of a playoff because it's a more level playing field. Mm. Um, but I don't know. At, at the moment, I, it, it's so uneven. Um, it needs a lot more investment in it. Um, top down needs to be a more viable league, I think. It, uh, were, were, were there any places that you went in the championship which really impressed you? Like with some of the smaller clubs that we might not, not might not know about in terms of you know their crowd or what you know what the experience is like. Um, it was uh, what was really good. I mean, Bedford actually. Bedford was really good. It's a nice club there. Um, actually, yeah, nice club. Um, Pitch is a good 45 degree angle, corner to corner. <laughs> but in terms of support, environment, and like a, a genuine rugby ground, that's a really good one. Um, and actually, I guess maybe because it was a local game to us, um, the athletic ground, Scottish and Richmond, oh, yeah, um, of the games that we had down there were just brilliant in, in environments, brilliant atmosphere, um, packed houses. You know, obviously, they made a big day of it as well. We were able to bring a lot of supporters in and around the London area. Um, and yeah, just they they were really two of the probably the best ones that we played at. Nice. Um, how do you think this London Irish team is going to get on next year? Because you know it's a completely different approach to last to the last time that you guys came up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Be watching on with interest, probably a bit of nerves. Um, yeah, I I think they'll fight. I, I think they'll be right in that pack, kind of scrapping in and around the middle. Um, it's I, I see the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, there's a good group that will remain, and we've signed some unbelievable talent. I guess it's they're not when bad, that are they? Talent... Sorry, they're not bad. No, they're they're okay. They're okay. Some some decent players in there. Um, so again, it's about blending the two together, and then just really going and attacking the Premiership. You know, the World Cup does present an opportunity. Uh, where teams won't be at full strength. I mean, obviously, I know the group stages don't start till later. Sorry, the the Premiership doesn't start till after the group stages, but I think there is still a window. Put yourself, you, you've just got to get those points on the board early. Yeah. And rather be ahead than trying to chase someone down. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned the blending bit because obviously the, the, you know, the players at London Irish have signed are fantastic, but my worry is there's too many of them. And I, I think one of the problems that promoted clubs have had is you get too many players and as good as they may be, if they don't blend, you've got a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, we've seen it before, you know, if the guys don't come over and adjust and get to grips with premiership rugby and the team as well, then then it becomes a real struggle. So, I mean, that will definitely be a challenge. Um, I guess one of the good things about Irish is the environment there and it will be very welcoming. Guys will get looked after. Families will get looked after and, almost make everything as easy as possible so that there's little to worry about apart from just getting on the pitch and performing. And I think the more that they can do that, I know something Declan Kidney's been brilliant at this year, he'll probably need to be even more so the same, especially people coming over from the Southern Hemisphere. But the quicker they can settle and gel, 
you know, I, I think they've got the makings of a really competitive team. Uh, what activities would you recommend the London Irish team in, uh, indulge in with their uh, uh, with their uh, with their new acquisitions? Take them out. Yep. Straight away. <laughs> Honest, it's it's simple but effective. Um, you know, take them out, make them relax, show them the sights, show them what London's all about. Um, just make them feel really at home, get a family settled, and. I think as much as you can take care of that, then the rest will flow. Uh, just, just, just out of, out of interest, when, as we're talking about team building, did you go to the New York game? I did. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, that was did, our, uh, that was our first first away trip as a, as, as a podcast. The Saracens London Irish game. Okay, yeah, that no, was brilliant. That was yeah, really enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, opportunity to play abroad was unbelievable. You know, the, it really the first was. game in the states, but yeah, yeah. brilliant stadium, like. Again, probably one of the downfall of the relegation was I think that was supposed to be a three-year series, which we would have been involved oh, in every yeah, of year. Course it was. And unfortunately, yeah, we lost that. So you know, they ended up playing Newcastle the year after in Philadelphia. But who knows? That might be something that comes back on the cards well, further down the line. I understand it's coming back to Chicago because obviously Gallagher are Chicago-based. But I was lucky enough to go to the New York one, and the New York one was weird because uh, obviously. London Irish, Irish heritage, so on and so forth. We found ourselves in all sorts of weird places, like the Irish consulate, and it was just it was just a rather bizarre experience. Yeah, it was. I could see you kind of being pulled all over the place, trying to kind of get into the Irish roots in New York. Um, but I mean, I, I understand it. You know, in terms of you know the whole thing of growing rugby in America, um, I, I mean, it, it was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, had the, we were in Times Square for an event as well with Citizen, which was which was great. Um, and then obviously playing at Red Bull, which is, I mean, yeah, it was brilliant, really good. Yeah. Now, um, not to make you go all uh, all co- all corporate now, top uh, uh, top seed, but tell me a bit about tell me a bit about the Brentford Stadium and what's uh, and what's going on next at London Irish. <laughs> Do you want me to get my sheet? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. I don't have one yet. So yeah, um, summer twenty twenty, we moved to Brentford Brentford Community Stadium. Um, it's something that's been in the pipeline for a while but obviously to have it officially announced the stadium's being built as we speak um it's flying up to be honest i mean i, I drive past it every other every other week and just you know tier upon tier i think it'll only be 17 and a half thousand i say only That's a good 17 size, and a half thousand um <laughs> but good size for both i think for football and the rugby yeah um, i agree and it's just it, from a club perspective it just you know allows us to do a lot more in terms of fans as well engaging with a whole new fan base in london hopefully we'll bring our existing support with us down the m4 but there's a whole new fan base and again more irish roots in in the town so we'll be able to tap into that a whole new sponsorship demographic as well um again from a playing perspective as well we're now being linked with a lot more schools in and around that area as we branch out further kind of into middlesex uh, so it's it's huge and it will just allow the club to generate more revenue to put back into the club as well, which is probably a, the biggest thing um, and to basically sustain the club and actually make it profitable in, in the future. I think that, that's what it boils down to ultimately. Now, sorry about this, but this is going to be my second stupid question. Um, where are London Irish's historic roots? Is, is it around the Brentford area? It's it's Sunbury. Sunbury was, was, was where they, they found home. Um, and so played there throughout, um, obviously outgrew it and then ended up bouncing around a bit, you know, sharing with Harlequins, Loftus Road, 
and then eventually ending up in Reading, I think, back in 2001. Yeah, because Reading doesn't sound like the ideal home of a club called, called London Irish. No, no, and I guess typical, I guess, exile fashion, you know. So we just, Sunbury became, it was, you know, there was thousands and thousands of people basically just stood around this pitch. We sh- shut down the whole area and it just, it became too much. They, they couldn't have that amount of people in such a small space. So ended up needing to find a new home to play rugby. Um, didn't own our own stadium, which is why we ended up basically being tenants for all these clubs in and around London. Um, and then the opportunity to move to Reading, which was big because, again, we'd always been in London. Um, but to move out to Reading, I think, was an opportunity that they had to take in terms of securing Premiership rugby. They had to meet the criteria and everything. Um, so, yeah, 20 years, 20 years there, just shy of. Wow. Coming up. Yeah, long time. Uh, so, the um, so the, the other thing that you're up to, other than um, uh, other, other than being an, uh, an ambassador for the new stadium, is uh, working. Uh, sorry, I, I was going to say BT Sport. Is that is that correct, or or is it more gem, generally in media? It will be Jen. I will be freelance, but I will be actually doing the round. So BT for Premiership Rugby, Sky for Championship Rugby, and then I'll also be doing radio as well. Oh, nice! So you've really got quite um, quite a full ca- full catalogue of things to be doing there. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of tried to plan it all out, and I'll probably be busier than I was when I was playing. But um, it, it's good, and I, I think it's because I'll be in different things as well, different environments. Um, it'll allow me to really figure out what the longer term plan is is it is it media is it coaching mm. um so you know i'm working my way through the best of both which is which is great for me what would you what would you prefer it to be i mean you know given a coin flip between full-time media or full-time coaching um i mean i'm guessing coaching are you talking about like pre, like pre, at a prem club that kind of thing but i don't know, it could could be first team level could be academy could be at a school um so kind of weighing those threes up. Um, I, school coaching is probably one that I'm, I'm going to get involved in this year as well. And I guess that's probably the newest area that I haven't really tapped into. So that might be something that, again, blows them all out of the water and says, you know, actually the school environment, developing young players and bringing them through to the elite level, mm. that might be something that I really enjoy. So I guess something between that and maybe the media because um, I, mean, I I do really enjoy it. Um, I guess <laughs> less pressure than coaching in a Premiership. And it's also a lot you, more fun. Let's be, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, going to stadiums with Nick Mullins is probably one of the best jobs you're ever going to have. In fact, it's, yeah, it's there, very, very, very good fun. Um, and I mean, they're, they're brilliant. Those they are awesome, the guys at BT. Uh, you know, Nick and Ali, especially. I've done quite a few games with Ali this year. Um, and yeah, they're both just just masters of their art. Yeah, have you been make, go- make it real easy for me? Have you been going to the media to the media days before before the games? No, not yet. I think oh. that that would probably be next on my journey. Yeah, because I, I think that's one of the things which people don't realise uh, about Nick Nick and Ali is how much background work goes into the weekend broadcast. Yeah, well, that, I mean that that's definitely something I've become more and more aware of. You know, I mean, I I, I do a bit of prep work. You know, we get all our documents before game, but I mean, those guys turn up and the amount of information they're going through, double checking their notes. Um, like I say, for me, it makes my job so easy. But I mean, obviously, it's down to the work that you know these guys put in, and you know, I get to see it up close now. And yeah. I mean, like I say, they're, they're brilliant. I mean, Nick Mullins actually has a tiny pair of binoculars which he watches training with, so gives you an idea of uh, how much Does he? <laughs> yeah. he knows Is everything. He, sure? he quiet, he quietly knows everything. Does he? Well, there, there you go. The, the, the levels to, to get to the top, but you know, he's the man for the reason. 
Excellent. Uh, I'm going to ask you one one last question. I just want to see if you uh, if you know a bit of trivia about yourself. Um, oh, okay. Oh, here you go. Who gave who gave you your try scoring pass for your first England try? Dan Carter. Oh, I, I actually thought that I might get you there. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. I was like, ah, oh, but then yeah, quickly came back to me. So still a lot of running to do. Um, uh, eight, well, apparently, according to Wikipedia, eighty meters. Uh, 90 I reckon 90 at least minimum okay let's call it 90 meters minimum and uh, let's leave it there as well thank you so much for coming on today uh, it does sound like you're going to be a very very busy man so I appreciate your time now whilst I, I can get it uh, tell me where we can find you on social media very simple it's uh, at topsy underscore ojo both twitter and instagram so yeah you can keep an eye on what I'm up to yeah I don't imagine that that as many Topsy Ojo's out there st- stealing your social media, media <laughs> handles, so that's uh, pretty <laughs> helpful. Not. Topsy, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully I'll have you on again soon. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 